Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Everyone, welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes, and I'm delighted that you're with us today. You know, I think most of us would agree that the greatest tragedy that can befall anyone is the early death of a much-beloved child. In all my years of trying to help people who have suffered a major loss, I found that losing a child is really a grief like no other. It's not supposed to happen that way. All of us should go before our children. And here is someone we deeply love whose life is tragically cut so short with so many dreams and adventures never lived. What pain that is. We're told by those who are not now in bodies, of course, that everyone who dies before adulthood is a more advanced being who didn't need to live a whole lifetime full of lessons. So they came back one more time and planned a very early death as a gift to those who love them. Actually, these beautiful beings often give us hints before their deaths that on a subconscious level they even know what is coming and nearly always in my experience they leave at least one sibling behind so their parents are not altogether bereft i mean i know this sounds awful doesn't it that this is something that would be planned but more and more they tell us there are no exceptions the deaths of children are not accidental and in some sense i find that comforting after all not all gifts are fun to receive but losing a child is terrible and once a little time has passed, and of course the grief remains, the question then becomes, what do we do with our grief? How can we turn that tragedy into something positive? Our guest this week for the second time is David Allison. David was last here in February, so this interval, usually we try to go six months in between our regular, semi-regular guests, but David was a wonderful guest the first time he was here with a very powerful message. And he has something new to talk with us about today that is something I've only lately come to see as an important phenomenon that you really should know more about. I've told you before, actually, that I'm not a meditator. My husband has meditated faithfully every day for 40 years, ever since he and I together took a course in transcendental meditation with the Maharishi himself. But I'm a flunk out. I can't do it, and David Allison, though, suggests today that maybe I should learn to try to do it after all. David is a software engineer, a consultant, and a very successful entrepreneur who specializes in building commercial applications and starting up companies from scratch, which I know as an attorney who has worked with businesses is not easy. He's also been a writer and editor in the technology space for almost 30 years, initially from major technology publications and later through his blog at davidallison.com. That's with one L. Since the loss of his only son three years ago at the age of 24, David has a new focus for his life. He has focused on mentoring and assisting other parents who have lost their children, which is a beautiful, beautiful journey. Welcome, David. I'm delighted you can be with us today. Thank you so much, Roberta. I'm so happy to be here. I'd, I'd like you to share again a little of the story of your losing Davy because um, I don't. A lot of people probably won't remember necessarily that particular episode, and this is a very powerful story, especially the fact that he seems to have been kind of transformed 
just before his accidental transition. Can you tell us that story just a little? Sure. Yeah, it, it actually happened uh, almost three years ago now. It was July 20th was the day he transitioned. Um, and it was in a single car um, accident uh, down a winding road not far from our home. And uh, there was... Uh, I was having a lot of conversations with Davey. He was actually working on a startup with me. We were starting up one of those things that I was, I'd always wanted to do, which was create a startup with my family, um, create a family business. Yes. And so he and I had been working together on that. And so it was, uh, um, uh, there was a sudden transition in his behavior just a few days before the accident. And he became deeply spiritual suddenly and started speaking in ways that did not seem consistent with the way he had been before that. He wanted to divest himself of material possessions. He was he just really did not uh, he, he started speaking in very loving tones about everything. Um, and not long before his accident, later in the afternoon when he had his accident, and that that morning, I was talking to him, and and uh, I was concerned because he suddenly did not want to do this startup with me anymore, and and I was trying to understand the why behind that, and and I was emotional and upset, and he he put his arm around me and he said, Dad, don't worry, I will never leave you, and he said that in a way that just struck right. me to my core, and. Right. Then just a few hours later, um, he's he's in a car accident, and at that point, I'm thinking because of my background and my engineering perspective, he's gone. And um, the grief, uh, as you mentioned, it is a profound grief. It's something that you really hope no parent ever has to experience. Right. But uh, that was the beginning of this journey for me, a, a journey of discovery, a journey of learning about the afterlife, because... Through that process, I could not accept that he was not around me. He felt I felt very much like he was still involved and still a part of my life and my wife as well and my daughters. And so uh, that was the beginning of that journey. You, you, you talk as if you have three children. I do. Uh, and, and but you have two daughters and Davy, right? Correct. Yeah, I think yes. that's beautiful too. It doesn't feel to you as if he's really gone. No, and and people ask that, that's one of the challenges you have as a parent that has lost a child is inevitably as you meet new people someone's going to say, "Oh, how many children do you have?" Right. And there's the that's when it starts and and for people that are early on in the grief, that's usually the beginning of an emotional roller coaster uh, where they have to navigate through the grief and and determining whether or not they even want to tell the person that they're facing. To, you know, do I want to explain that I I lost a child? Uh, because if you want to throw cold water on a conversation, that's right. a great way to do it. Yes, yes. Um, and yeah. so I very usually because I it is an honest response. I talk about all three of my children and the fact that they're still very much a part of my life, and and I'll usually focus on my two daughters and. Uh, uh, I, I don't go into it too much unless it is something that somebody really wants to explore it uh, or knows my background. Then I'm more than happy to talk about it. I, I've heard other parents basically handle it the way you handle it, which is I have three children, um, and uh, then it'll casually maybe come up. Uh, one of them is not in a body right now, but he's very much part of our lives. And that seems 
at least to me, that seems to be a healthy way to handle it because it's true. Yes. And and it doesn't focus on the grief. It focuses on the joy of having this child still as part of your life. Um, he's been very active in your life, too. As I recall, almost right away, you were getting signs and things. Talk about that. Yeah. So it wasn't really long after Davy's transition the, the first few days, as any parent will tell you, is just absolutely devastating yes. uh, for us because it was so sudden. This was not a, a long-term illness that we had kind of prepared for that as an inevitability. This was a, a young man who had just recently graduated college and had everything in front of him, was in perfect health, and suddenly he's just gone. And right. so – those first few days were very difficult and, and it felt like we were falling into a black hole. Um, it was very difficult just looking at my wife and, and my daughters and seeing the pain in their eyes and then all of our family and friends that were so worried about us and reflecting that pain. Within a few days after that, though, it started to change and I started really sensing his presence in a way that was uh, profound. The grief was still primary in my mind but we started to get signs very early that that Davy was still there and this culminated in one of the um, things that somebody I had read was a good idea at the time before I started doing any research into the afterlife I, I was pretty much I wouldn't say atheist but completely agnostic up until this point and I uh, had read that it is appropriate to write a letter to somebody that has passed because it allows you to kind of manage your thoughts and put them into a specific you know format and I sat down to start writing a letter to Davey uh, on my computer and uh, I started to have a conversation with him and I clearly heard his voice in my head and wow. not and it wasn't Roberta, the wild part about it was is that it wasn't this time-based discussion that we're having now where I'm forming words and hearing words. It was the, an entire fully formed thought was in my head, and it was clearly from Davey. Wow. And so I wrote that down, and it was a beautiful conversation. Yeah. I, I Actually, I've seen some of what you wrote. Um, the, the, the book is called Finding Davy. Um, I said at the time when we talked in February that I thought it was the best of all the books that I've read like this. You know, a, someone lost a child, lost a loved one. Partly because it's so full of these insights, these things that happened that are genuine and true. I mean, your grief is obviously palpable in the book, but almost immediately there's all the, also these bits of triumph, like being able to have a dialogue on your computer with your son and hearing his his thoughts in your mind. I mean, that was really beautiful. Um, it's a it's a lovely book. I recommend it highly. It's called Finding Davy, and it's by David Allison. But so. So you were pretty quickly, as I recall, you also were doing things with some of his friends and their families and so on. You were, you were, you were healing your whole family uh, as you were working with him to kind of establish this new relationship. Absolutely. I mean, and that's, um, you know, I, I personally get a tremendous amount of satisfaction. And most people that I've talked about this with also feel this way. You get a tremendous amount of satisfaction when you're of service to others. Um, one of the most healing things that you can do is be able to help heal someone else. And when you're surrounded by people that are also in grief with you, being the person that they're focused on and being able to do, to help them is healing for both parties. And so I, I was 
pretty quick to recognize that uh, I was healing myself every time I tried to help his yes. friends, his uh, close group. He had he has uh, some beautiful, amazing young people that are friends, and they were just devastated by this, as we were. And I didn't want to try and classify my grief as, oh, my grief is so much worse. There is no such thing as a level of, no. you know, who has it worse. <laughs> no. <laughs> And and if you if you view people as we're all in this together, then it really does make it um, pretty straightforward. And that was really my focus. But that was what was striking to me that you did reach out to those friends. You did try to help other people with their grief for your son. And I think you had a friend who had a, lost a son too. I haven't read the book now in six months, four months. Mm-hmm. But um, all of that did seem to help you in a very concrete way. That was one of the beautiful things about your book. Oh, thank you. Um, we, we have, uh, we've now uh, uh, had the privilege of meeting many parents that have been in the same situation that we're in. And everybody has a different way of approaching it and a different story. But, you know, in the end, we're all going through that same kind of journey together and, and being able to lean on people that are in that journey. It, it is tremendously helpful. What we were going to talk about today specifically is meditation. Mm-hmm. Because, as I've said, I'm complete flunk out when it comes to meditation. I probably always will be because whenever you say that, you make it even more certain that it's going to be true, right? You're way more but, powerful than you think. <laughs> I know. I know. But but uh, I have a very dear friend who is using meditation in a very powerful way to, co- to co- connect with her primary guide. And mm-hmm. this is new for me. And then, you know, I hear from you who's, and you're saying, because we had talked about having you come back, why don't we talk about meditation? I'm saying, whoa, this is a hot topic suddenly. So you started pretty quickly after after he first transitioned to to do meditation right it was yes how you comforted yourself talk about that sure um one of the side effects of grief or the gifts that profound grief gives you is the complete uh evacuation of all thoughts from your head and normally my brain is a very busy you know uh, my brain is busy my my thoughts are uh rampant with all of the different things that i have you know, to think about whether it's the businesses that I'm focused on or my family, my friends, um, all of the things that I live a very busy life. And those are all at the forefront of my thoughts. And sometimes I'd have sleepless nights thinking about those things. And when the grief came, it evacuated all of those thoughts from my head. Um, They weren't gone completely, but they were muted to a point where I could actually visually almost see those thoughts, but I could not engage them. I couldn't attach any emotion to them. They would disappear and were replaced by that grief. And what I found was that that process of, of separating myself from my thoughts was a powerful metaphor, a po- powerful model. And meditation it gives you the technique, the ability to actually start to separate yourself, the observer of your thoughts from the thoughts themselves, because I always identified myself with my thoughts. So for me, being able to separate myself from my thoughts gave me the ability to listen. And when you have that ability to listen, you can start to hear things that are otherwise drowned out by your thoughts, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes very, very good sense. So you you found you could meditate and do it, and then you were doing it every day? Yes. How, 
So then did you begin to hear Davy talking to you? It was interesting. I didn't hear, and this is the, the thing that's that's fascinating for me. I, I didn't have, uh, I'm not clairaudient. I, I don't have, I don't hear voices directly. I have a, uh, uh, I believe the clair that they usually associate with these things is clairsentience, where uh-huh. the a fully formed thought is just in my head. And I know almost immediately who it is so that that there's a, a connection with that individual. And, and with Davey, it was completely effortless. Um, once I got out of my own way, once I believed that I was not actually making this up, that I was he was giving me evidence. And, and some of that evidence I recorded in the book and and talked about and would later find after reading many other books on spirituality and many of your works uh, that just matched up and and things that he told me that I had not explored before were suddenly validated for me. Um, that helped reinforce in my mind that I was actually listening to and hearing Davy. And um, I used that kind of technique uh, to communicate with my father and my mother uh, that are both in spirit. Uh, my father, my father passed six months after my son, and uh, so I had a I had a whole year of really happy, fun grief wow. <laughs> that oh, went around, the, goodness, run around yes. the bend. Um, and I'm David Rieselson the third. My son's the fourth. My dad was the second. So oh. I became a I became a kind of a, a an endangered species. All yeah. Of a sudden. Oh uh, my word! I'm so yeah. sorry. Oh no! It's you know it it is those kinds of journeys that we go through in life. I mean, every single thing that I've ever dealt with that is has been hard has actually yielded a gift if I accept it. And and yes. that's the same with everyone. Um, yes. What a yeah. beautiful thing that is to say. All the hard things have yielded gifts. If you if you accept them, you don't, you can refuse the gift and you can be yeah. bitter and you can be disappointed and angry and and you can uh, focus on all of these other, you know, uh, perspectives that don't service you. Um, but if you accept it and look for the message that's actually there, if you believe that there is something deeper and more meaningful in life, then it allows you to accept these gifts and put, take a deep breath, separate yourself, be the observer, and and understand that there's that that is for your highest good. All of these things are for your highest good. That is so profound. Understanding. That even though a gift is terrible to, to receive, it still can be for your highest good if you will accept it and allow it to work in your life for that good. That's powerful. That's a very powerful statement. And, and it's, it's true. It's, it's not a thought. And it's not a thought that I came up with. These are the things that I get in my meditation. Um, these are the messages that I hear. These are the thoughts that are that are um, uh, that come to life inside of me when I'm meditating and communicating that's yes. the, those are the kind of messages i get so it's it's so positive and affirming so you're taught you're you're communicating through meditation with with davy but mm-hmm. also with your parents not and not as much and it's funny because each one is very different in the way that they communicate with me and the way that i'm actually able to listen to they they have their own personalities they're they're still who they are um they don't fundamentally change um i don't communicate as much with my mom which is ironic because she was a saint in my life uh, yes. she was an amazing uh, amazing woman and my dad i had challenges with and yet my dad's the one who pops in all the time and and uh has communication with me as well but davy is the one um davy is effectively a guide for both my my for both me and my wife 
um, in that sense. He's he's served in that kind of capacity now. And I think that that was part of his his overall plan. This is part of our plan, um, yes. you know, to experience a life like this. I, I the, the sense I've had in talking to you about Davy is that he he's a fairly advanced being spiritually. Um, yes. He, he so it's not surprising that he would come in get to know you better um, you know very well as your child and then would take a role uh, in guiding you and your wife that's that's actually I've, I know of situations like that before and I, I, I've known other people who've been through them and it works really surprisingly well I mean who could love you and 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 help you more than this child who has been so important in your life what a beautiful mm-hmm. thing yes so so you you can tell though who's speaking to you. I mean, these are full, fully formed thoughts that come to you while you're meditating. You know, at once that's Davy or that's Dad. Mm-hmm. How do you know? That's a great question. How do you know that any thought, if you remember something that somebody said to you, how do you know that it's from that person? I don't know. That's a big question. <laughs> See, it's it's one of those kind of if you really investigate it, because I've used that as analogies. I'm, I, you know, I'm a software engineer, so I, I I work in the con. I traffic in analogies, and if you the analogy, the closest analogy I would have is if you're recalling a conversation that you had with another person, and you remember something that a person said, it's like how do you know that it was that person that said it, and you you're not misremembering it or hearing it from somebody else? Are you visualizing that person saying it? How do you draw up that memory? And if you think about that. And process it. It's like, well, I just know. You just know. No, I, exactly. I had, this, yeah. I had the same thing with my um, primary guide, who's now completely internal, and mm-hmm. I always know what he thinks. And sometimes he gives it to me in a bolus of thought, and sometimes it's just a strong feeling. But mm-hmm. I always know it's him. It's it's unmistakable. And yet, if you ask me how I know, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, and people want those mechanics because they want to be able to recreate that themselves. Yeah, and this is why, to be frank, the meditation is so important because I think a lot of it is being able. To get out of your own way yes Um, you know if you try to force this and try and turn it into something or or you know uh um try and uh impose what the conversation is actually going to be then you're probably not going to have the level of connection that you really want because it's a, a a connection with someone that is not in body that is in spirit it requires you both to be vibrating at the same level you need to or as close as you can and for us that means raising your vibration raising the way that you communicate and for them it's lowering theirs so yes. that there's that you can actually synchronize it's kind of like tuning a radio in my view um, except that you've got a, a transmitter and a receiver that both need to be tuned to the right frequency and it's similar to that to establish that connection yeah, and it gets easier and easier, right, as you practice this, this daily or every other day or wherever up and you're able to do it? It becomes like a preset in a radio. Instead of yeah. sitting there moving an analog dial back and forth until you tune into it, you kind of attach a preset to it and you, and you remember what that feeling is like when you're in that state that allows you to receive that. Yeah, and and has your monkey mind come back? Remember you said that you were it, it was quieted? when you were in the depth of your grief have you found that you've been able to continue to keep it quiet so that you can concentrate on meditating i think i've actually come to terms with my monkey mind um if that's possible uh the the acceptance that there is going to be that fire hose of thoughts and that learning how to be able to mute it when i need to 
is yeah. is really and, and this is um, honestly, Roberta, we've talked before about this. Uh, I it's why I always encourage people to take up meditation because. It, more than anything else, it, it, is, it allows you to start to develop the tool set that allows you to see your thoughts in a, in a different way. And meditation yeah. can mean so many different things for so many different people. Um, you know, I always thought prayer was very specific. You know, it was about talking to God, um, being raised Catholic. He was talking to God and asking for things. Um, what meditation, in my view is learning how to listen, and that is by being able to get out of your thoughts and listening to your true self, listening to your soul, listening to your higher self. Yes. And that's who you're actually communicating through, in my view. Yes. That's the, the you're, you're sharing that connection and then being able to use that to communicate with people in spirit. So how does, how does your wife communicate with Davey? You say that he's guiding her as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, she she uses meditation. Her experiences are different than mine. And that's the thing that I love about this is that it's going to be different for every single person. There's no, you know, hard, fast, you know, hey, just install this app and run this thing and, you know, you'll have a connection. It, it's not like that. Um, each person experiences this process in a different way. It, just as I have fully formed thoughts, she has a deep visual imagery when she communicates with Davy. She sees him very clearly. Um, she has a council that she of her guides that she regularly communicates with, and um, you know that she calls it her love council, and and they are oh, providing her with with that spiritual guidance. So I think that each person has a unique experience. But that's what makes us who we are, is that yes. it's, it is unique to each of us. But, you know, it, it requires an investment and a belief that, you know, an opening for, for the door. You have to be able to open the door and allow it in. Um, and I think a lot of people I know I did prior to this didn't even see the door. I just I didn't have a door to open. I didn't recognize that there was a door there. Yeah, I, I think that it, there is a lot of stress attached initially to the thought of communicating with your guides or communicating with your loved ones, in part because there's a sense of loss of control. We like to think we're in, in control of our lives and, and to find that there are these beings who love us so much, who are trying to help us to, to live. But it, it, there, there's, a, there's a giving up, too. There's a, a surrendering, which mm-hmm. is hard for people to do at first. Didn't you find that? Or maybe because of what had happened to you, all of that was cleared away. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, uh, again, uh, a side effect of losing a child is the complete lack of control you feel with your life. Uh, you know, I I, right. I, yeah. I put so much of my personal energy into creating an environment for my children and for fostering the kind of living, loving environment and home that I wanted to create for them and to usher them into adulthood with the best possible advantages that I could. And and then to have all of that um, just kind of like torn up one day uh, really kind of helped me see that the, that this control that we feel that we have in our lives is really right. an illusion. Right. It's the illusion exactly. of control. We actually do have a, a tremendous amount of control in one and one area only. And that is how we react to these gifts that we're given. We can react in a negative way. We can react in a positive way. We can make plans and prepare for things as best we can. But we have to accept that life happens. And this is the you know the direction it is going in, in what will create the best version of you that you possibly can if you allow it. 
Do you have the sense that Davy is very much a part of your life still? Oh, very much so. so, uh, so on a regular basis, yes. It, 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 you haven't lost him. It's just changed the relationship in in ways which are in some sense positive. It isn't only a negative thing. When, oh, when absolutely. You, but see, that's in, in fact, in some ways, in some ways, the relationship I have with my son now is better than the relationship I had before. See, in some ways, the physical aspect is brutally difficult. Um, and if I focus my attention on that, I can make myself tremendously sad if I want to. I can right. also focus on the relationship I have where he's a thought away. He is, um, I'm able to hit that preset on my mind that allows me to connect with him and know that he's there. And sometimes um, I connected with him in meditation just yesterday and when i did um it was the two of us sitting together on the beach and just sitting next to each other we didn't need to say anything there was no communication going on it was just being in his presence was satisfying for me for that moment in that meditation and sometimes that's all you need is yes. just knowing that they're there yeah i mean it's it is as you say you know you you, you can mourn what's lost but it's better to focus on what is maybe even better now than it was before. What a beautiful thing that is. Yeah. Let, let's talk about some of your favorite people and mine, and that's the people at Helping Parents Heal. Mm-hmm. Talk a little about that. I mean, I first met Elizabeth of Wausau about, oh, probably four or five years ago, mm-hmm. and it was a very new organization then. I mean, she had lost her son, and yes. she was – like you, she was reaching out and trying to help people, and she started this amazing organization. Talk about Helping Parents Heal. So, Helping Parents Heal is a nonprofit organization, and their focus is to is dedicated to assisting parents um, and providing support and resources for them in the healing process. And um, what makes them different than other groups is they allow the open discussion of spiritual experiences and evidence for the afterlife in a very non-dogmatic way. And that, for me, is something that I was really looking for because so many um, so many grief counseling groups really either focus on the sadness and managing the sadness right. or they focus on a dogmatic religious perspective that says, look, you know, if you, if you abide by this version of the Bible or these specific classes of teachings and our interpretation of those teachings, then that makes everything that you're dealing with acceptable. And neither of those two really uh, resonated with me. What Helping Parents Heal does that's unique, it it is open discussion. It is open exploration. And it's done in such a loving and kind and accepting way by people that have experienced, you know, uh, the price of membership is obviously extraordinarily high. Um, But once uh, you are a part of that group, um, there's – there's really nothing that can substitute for that shared experience when it comes to understanding and the compassion and love that you feel from these people as they're going through the same thing. Right. In, in a meeting of these people, there is that strong sense of love and acceptance. They, they, however you are dealing with this is okay. They, they love, they accept, they nurture people in a wonderful way. And now yes. they have chapters all over the country, right? Are they oh, All over the world. Oh, oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, very much so. It's a very active group. There are thousands and thousands of members, uh, and they they introduce and bring in different speakers that um, 
will talk about very different things. And and many of many of the speakers that have attended both the local and the national uh, meetings are people that have been on your show. So this is a, a you know kind of corollary to um, you know kind of. Uh, goes along with a lot of the things that you have been sharing and exploring in your books and in your blog posts and things like that. So um, they're very it, you're you're very popular in that group. Let me just say <laughs> you're that. sweet to say that. Well, they're certainly very popular with me. If people are saying mm, I want to know more about that, I know someone who needs them, or I need them myself. How would they get in touch with Helping Parents Heal? Um, the best place is to go to the website. It's helpingparentsheal.org. Um, there are uh, lists of local chapters for people. Um, if people want to connect with them on Facebook, we have a Facebook group, Helping Parents Heal Online, uh, that's available via Facebook. And then we've got a bunch of chapters. We have online chapters that have broken out, too. My wife and I actually formed a chapter, um, the Helping Parents Heal Meditation Group, kind of going back to, to the meditation um, perspective, and so there, there are a lot of different. There's a helping fathers heal that you know because of the the bulk of the people that are capable uh, of or willing to communicate and talk about this openly are usually uh, moms, and yes. many of the fathers tend to be very stoic about it and repress that, and they 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 really carry that grief in a, in a difficult way. So we have uh, one father that broke off uh, is part of helping parents heal didn't really break off, but is really focused on trying to help the fathers that have lost and are trying to do that, and th- I'm part of that group as well. And you are helping members of Helping Parents Heal then learn how to meditate and thereby communicate with their children, yes. right? Yes, a lot of a lot of the uh, folks that we talk to, especially mediums and and spiritual leaders that are very active in and and believe that it is possible to communicate, talk about medium sh- or uh, meditation as a as a gateway, if you will, a tool for being able to manage the thought process and raise that vibration to be able to communicate and connect. And that's something that we openly talk about um, very often and encourage people to do. And and sometimes it's difficult. Some parents are on a journey that is going to lead them down a, a, a cycle of grief for a while before they're able to kind of see that they have the ability to kind of get out of that if they want to. Some people really, uh, I, I believe, some people just really need to bask in that grief for a while. They need to bask in that pain. I don't, I don't know why. I believe that, that that's part of their journey. Um, but the example we're trying to set is, hey, look, when you're ready, when you're at that point, here's a really great way for you to be able to change your perspective and open up a communication that can be very powerful for you. I think what you point out is a very important point. There are people, and especially this is true, I think, with the loss of children, sometimes with a spouse, who feel that if they feel less awful about the loss of that loved one, they're not they're somehow not honoring the loved one's memory as they should. It's it's almost as if what they have left of that loved one is the grief and they can't let go of the grief. I think that's sometimes what's going on. And I feel very bad for them because, in fact, as you point out, if you can get beyond the pain, which is a very negative energy, and get into beginning to communicate more directly, you can have a wonderful relationship still with – you haven't lost this child at all. They're Absolutely. still there. Yeah. 
Uh, amen. <laughs> so to speak, I, I, I believe that completely. I think that our society accepts that grief is one of those things that you have to carry and that it's a burden. Um, right. we, we have a tendency to kind of, um, and especially Western civilization, we have a tendency to, to stigmatize death and and focus on on the negative aspects of these things. And, and it's whether it's news cycles or just the way that we all communicate, it, it is always a negative experience. You don't see too many people that, um, you know, really kind of focus on, I'm going to use a title here, the fun of dying. They really focus <laughs> on the negative aspects, right? Right, right. Um, and so I, I think that's that's part of this is that uh, I believe, you know, now maybe I'm myopic because I'm in, I'm so engaged in this space now, but I believe that it's changing. I believe that people's awareness of this is changing. I'm seeing it with my friends that would never have experienced some of the things that we've shared with them and are now actively looking for those signs as they lose, lose parents or they lose aunts or uncles uh, or even pets that meant so much to them. Pets, They're yes. able to leverage some of the things and see how we have navigated through our grief and use that for themselves to say, well, if they can do that with their own child, maybe I can do that with this person that meant so much or this animal that meant so much to me. Yes, what a beautiful point. But what a gift he has given you in giving you this whole aspect of your life where you are able to do so much to help other people. Well, he's sitting here right now, so he agrees. <laughs> is nodding now but but that's really the gift that he gave you um, I'm you know you were a techie guy early on you were a techie guy you had a techie career um, as you said agnostic all of that and he opened you to this wonderful space where you and your wife are able to give so much and help so much and the joy in that the joy of being able to help other people is beyond how would you express it how can you even express how much joy there is in that uh, it's uh, it's not really possible. <laughs> it, it makes me it makes me really uh, just grateful. I'm I'm grateful that I have been given the gifts that I've been given and the way that I'm able to use that perspective to help other people. And you know the the group that uh, Allison actually created. Uh, my wife's name is Allison. She's Allison Allison. Um, <laughs> I remember that now. Uh, yes. Yeah. I just I love dropping that. I did that to her. <laughs> 33 years ago and she's dealing with it. Um, she's dealing with it now. Yeah. Um, she's, a, she is amazing. She and uh, yeah, she's amazing. And she's actually been such a huge, this has been, this has made us even stronger. We always had a beautiful relationship, but it's made us even stronger as a group, oh, as a team. And I think that's also helped people that see that, you know, um, that you can pull together and, and share in these things. She created the um, Helping Parents Heal Meditation Group. Um, I'm kind of just the techie helper uh, to help her out with it. But she's uh, uh, what we do in this group is we actually uh, ask parents to connect with their children in spirit and then using a technique that that is uh, that Lynn McTaggart has written about in her Power of Eight book yes. um, about using healing energy, about um, focusing healing energy on someone else and that it is she's proven uh, literally proven through her uh, empirical evidence that it can have a profound impact on other people when a group gathers together and focuses healing energy and our theory is if we can have parents that are working proactively with their child and spirit to help someone else that it is this beautiful virtuous wow. circle 
And that is something wow. uh, tremendously powerful for everybody involved, for the child that feels like they're engaged with their parent, for the parent that gets to feel connected with their child, and wow. ultimately for that person that receives that healing energy. Everyone, we've had Lynn McTaggart twice as a guest on Seek Reality to talk about the power of eight. Um, she is an extraordinary scientist in this field who, uh, if there's any justice, one day she'll get a Nobel Prize for all the work she's done. But her book, The Power of Eight, is very powerful. Thank you for mentioning it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an important thing for people to read to understand how powerful and what a force for good our minds working together are, even just a group of eight people. But the fact that you have people working with their children children in spirit to help others. Wow, that is so amazing and wonderful. Well, if you can give a parent the ability to have something to see beyond just feeling that they're connected and make it something that is productive and 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 relatable and it provides healing for somebody else, which in effect heals you, um, that's really the, the goal of that group. That's the, really the goal of the reason that we do the, the shared meditations that we do. And, you know, we, we solicit to the group at large for people that are that need healing. Um, sometimes it's physical, very often it's emotional. Um, and it's, it's, it's so uh, gratifying to see parents who are obviously in grief, obviously dealing with this stuff, pick out other people that they want to send healing energy to. Yes. And, and be able to say, hey, can can we focus on these people? So we, we put those people, you know, up on the screen and, and we have our shared meditation session and we all just focus our energy with our children on that. Oh, how beautiful that is. So what's next for you, David? Where are you going with this? Because you've grown so much, just even since I last spoke with you, you're going places and doing things. What's next? Have you other, have you thoughts about where you go now? Well, I mean, at this point, uh, life goes on. And um, I do, you know, my wife and I are, you know, happily married and we have two daughters. And um, I think that I'm I'm not I, I'm I still work. I still have, a, you know, a regular day job, if you will. Um, I, but the emotional side of what I do, the, the the thing that I really desperately want to do is help parents that that need that assistance. And to that end, you know, I I reach out to individual parents when I when the opportunity presents itself. I've had people bring parents to me that have said, you know, could you talk to this person? And I'm my door is always open. I'm I'm uh, one of the caring listeners on the Helping Parents Heal website, so my contact information is available. I will always make time for a parent that is going through this uh, because that's part of the one of the reasons that I'm here. Um, I know that. So how can people reach you then? Um, the easiest thing is to go, you can actually go to the Finding Davy website, findingdavy.com. It talks about the book and has uh, some contact information there. You can also go to the helpingparentsheal.org website, and we have a menu pull down for caring listeners. And we have a, so we have a group of volunteer parents that have, uh, have gone through the grief have become what we call shining light parents, meaning they've they've started to recognize that the that the grief that they're experiencing is a temporary transition to a better state for themselves and for their child, and are able to share that with other parents and and provide that example. And so they're uh, it's a just a an amazing group of people. But if but if someone feels I really have to talk to this man, he's inspired me so much. They can go to findingdavy.com and and reach out to you. Yes, that's oh. probably the easiest. 
That is beautiful. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for being who you are. I mean, watching you grow, even in this, as I say, the few months that since we last spoke is, is just so gratifying. And what you're doing, I think we should stress, anybody who is suffering grief or pain has the ability to choose to grow in that. Yes. And there is a light beyond it. And you're certainly a beacon of that light. Well, I, I'm I'm just a reflection. I'm not necessarily a beacon. <laughs> I, love, I love it. Yes, yeah. yes, but you shine very brightly all the same. I appreciate that so much, Roberta. And I I have to say, I, you the work that you've done, the way that you have, um, I, you know, I, I mentioned uh, before the show started how much I love, my wife and I both love reading your blog posts on Sunday morning. <laughs> Thank um, you for that. Yeah, I, you know, having people, you know, we are at, we are where we are in our grief. We are where we are in our in our life and the way that we've been able to absorb this because the people before us that spent all of that time, all of that energy, creating the material that helped us navigate through that. The, you know, we could not have done that without all of the people that took that time to write books, to put up podcasts, to uh, create blog posts, to create YouTube channels that help people have the material they need to be able to draw on. So, you know, we're, we're just standing on the shoulders of a lot of people that came before us. That that's really what it boils down to. I think I think we all feel that way. I mean, yeah. we all stand on the shoulders of giants, and, yes. and in turn, to be able to be of service to the people who need us, there is no greater joy that there yes. could possibly be. You jump out of bed every morning full of the thrill of being able to do it again today, and I I understand how that feels. And bless you for doing what you do. I'm I'm so. Of course, when you retire, you're going to have even more stuff to do. So that's going to be yeah. more wonderful. But but, but yeah. to, 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 just to be on this journey, all of us together, is such a beautiful thing. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so sorry we've come to the end of our time. I could go on for another hour with you. Oh, thank you, Robert. I love being on your show. love talking to you. <laughs> we'll do this again. Everyone, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm really glad you could join Dave and me today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. When you really get what that means, it's going to change everything everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be Brian Allen, and he's another wonderful British White Crow Books author. We love White Crow Books. Brian's new book is Project Phenomena, Evaluating the Paranormal. Now, to be frank, I dislike the term paranormal because it implies that things like communications from people we used to think were dead are somehow unusual and not normal. Well, in fact, nearly everyone at one time or another receives such communications, even though most people don't talk about them much. So if hearing from the dead is something that happens to most people, doesn't that imply it's actually normal? But leaving aside that little quibble, Brian is a careful researcher. He does a wonderful job of objectively investigating and documenting some amazing phenomena. So please join us next week. I think you're going to love what he's done. This week, we've been talking with my wonderful friend, David Allison, and he's with us for the second time, and he'll be back again. David's son, Davey, died in a car crash three years ago at the age of 24, but of course, he didn't die at all. David's book, Finding Davey, shares the remarkable events surrounding and following that terrible loss of his only son, and David and his wife, Allison Allison, had a beautiful, beautiful journey after that from grief into the joy of helping other people. 
David now and, and Allison as well now mentor and assist other parents who've lost their children. And he's working on ever better methods for communicating with Davy that he could share with those other bereaved parents. What a joy to be of such service. David Allison, I think, is just a beautiful man and a wonderful example of triumphing over an almost unimaginable loss. And I especially, really, I want to plug his book. Finding Davy is the best book of its kind I've ever read. I think it's the one essential book for newly bereaved parents because it's an easy and powerful read it touches all the bases and Davy was communicating right away in an amazing way it's so uplifting I really think if you're interested in this topic Finding Davy is the book to read now, as you know, my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and Very Soon, The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's The Fun of Meeting Jesus, which is a beautiful, beautiful picture book. I didn't draw the illustrations, so I can talk about how lovely it is. If you want to talk about any of my books, or if you really want to talk about anything at all, you always can contact me through the contact block on robertagrimes.com I answer every email so please make sure you give me your right email address it could take me, I used to say if, if you don't hear in 24 hours send flowers, I can't say that anymore it can take me 3 or 4 days sometimes when I get a lot of emails but I always answer them it's a privilege really that people think enough to send me an email and ask a question or make a comment Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, realrevolutionradio.com, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on the free app, which is available in the iTunes App Store. And as as David said, I blog every week now, and I hear from more and more people who really find it's very helpful. We can go more deeply in a blog post than we can go on these um, interviews, and uh, it can be a lot of fun to really explore more deeply what are, what's really the, the greatest truth, the greatest set of truths that anyone could ever imagine. It is all good news. Meanwhile, of course, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and please make the most of this coming week in our one reality. Always knowing, never forgetting that you are a powerful, eternal being. And in particular, you, most of all, are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.